Thanks for joining us for another edition of Parents Empowered. We're talking about the holidays creeping up on us. It's hard to believe it is that time of year again. But the holidays also means it's a great opportunity for you to sit down with your family, with your kids, even if their friends are over, and really talk about alcohol because this is a time when it becomes more prevalent. Rob Tiberman and Heidi Peterson are here to talk about that from Parents Empowered today. We want to discuss underage drinking and all the problems that come with it. I know binge drinking is one of the biggest problems. But the first question here would be, is underage drinking really that serious of a problem here in Utah? We hear about depression in our schools these days. We talk about suicide. We're talking about vaping. We're talking about drugs. And we're talking about alcohol, which is an age-old problem. Heidi, is it really that big of a problem? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, right? There are a lot of things for parents to think about when it comes in terms of raising healthy and resilient and happy youth, right? There's a lot of things out there. We know that alcohol is still one of the most used and abused substances out there. So it's really important that we keep that on the radar and have this conversation. Uh, we know that nationally about 11% of the alcohol that is purchased is purchased um, or used consumed by those between the ages of 12 and 20. And about 90% out of that 11% is is used or consumed as binge drinking. So that is that is a big concern. Okay. And Rob, this is something that's not going away, and that's why we have to talk about it. Exactly. We know that as long as alcohol is out there, as long as it's advertised, as long as it's available, yeah. that kids will use. But there's some amazing things that we as a community and we as parents can do to help kind of mitigate the use that, uh, that we see in our kids. We've talked about this before, but kids are not just drinking and having a sip or trying to see what it tastes like. They're drinking to get drunk. And that has to be a concern when you think about what your kids are doing when they're not at home or maybe when you're not at home and they are. What is the definition of binge drinking? Yeah, so binge drinking is four to five drinks within a two-hour period. And that's actually a lot of alcohol, considering oftentimes youth are smaller than adults. Um, and, and so that kind of can be pretty dangerous, that four to five drinks in a two-hour period. We know that um, kids that binge drink, are they, when they drink, they drink to get drunk, right? So kids yeah. aren't having a glass of wine with dinner just to have a glass of wine mm -hmm. with dinner. It is to actually feel intoxicated. And that's really, really scary. We want to do what we can to, to, to prevent kids from being able to do that. And that's been a conversation recently in the news, too. The alcohol percentage has changed even just in the last couple of weeks. Is that a bigger concern now for kids who might be sneaking alcohol and maybe in the past they've done it and now they've got a higher percentage and they don't realize what it does to their bodies? Yeah, that actually is a really big issue. Think of a kid just having four to five drinks or, um, you know, having a couple beers a couple of months ago to a kid mm -hmm. is actually a bigger deal than to an adult. Um, and I would probably guess that kids haven't caught on to the change that there is actually now more alcohol content in beer, right? So yeah. there's, if there are kids that are drinking, they're probably still drinking at the same rate. They may have the same amount of beers, but now they're getting more alcohol, probably not realizing it. All right. Binge drinking, uh, Heidi, is a problem, and we've been uh, talking about this for quite some time, but I think sometimes parents might not think it's as big a deal. 
kids like to think that it's been a long time since we've been teenagers, but it doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> and maybe parents in their mind are thinking, yeah. I drank as a kid with my yeah. friends. It's not that big a deal. I'm not that worried about it. Is it something that parents should be worried about? Have times changed? Are kids drinking more? Right. A lot of times we do just what you're saying, right? And we assume that things still are the way yeah. that they used to be. And a lot of things have evolved and changed since we were kids. One of those being this uh, big field of study of research where we know unequivocally now we have hard research that lets us know that alcohol, alcohol can pose serious risk to the developing brain. Okay, so we, we know in those adolescent years and really clear up until their mid-20s, the brain is undergoing rapid changes. And when alcohol is entered into that growth, serious problems and interference can happen with, with memory, with how they learn, decision making, and even that ability for impulse control. So we know that kids need healthy brains to obtain a successful, healthy future, right? And if our kid plays football, we're really careful to pat them up good and protect their brains. And we need to remember alcohol in that scenario too, that we're protecting them um, from the harms that can happen that way. You mentioned that we're still developing into our 20s, and oftentimes I think parents might get a little more relaxed when their kids are a high school senior or maybe they're a teenager in college. I know I have a 19-year-old that's right. a sophomore, and you maybe stop thinking that it's something that you have to worry about, but their brain is still developing even yeah. at that point. Yep, that's what that's what the research shows us, clear up until their mid-20s. Um, so that's right. Oftentimes we think maybe that's a rite of passage, they're getting close to graduation, um, but it's important to remember that, that really no drinking underage is a safe amount. Your brain is still growing yeah. and um, moving. So Rob, early onset drinking is definitely a concern, especially binge drinking. Why are we so concerned about if you start young? Does it really matter when you start drinking down the road? Is it how it affects your life? Yeah, it does. In fact, the earlier that kids start drinking, the greater the likelihood of developing an addiction later on in life. So if kids start drinking by the age of 13, they're 45 to 46% more likely to develop an addiction later on in life. We say 21, but in fact, the longer that you go into full brain development, the less likely addiction, uh, the less likely chances of addiction that you'll have later on in life. So 21's the key, um, but even after that, your chances go down of uh, developing an addiction long-term. Mm -hmm. Do we know why that happens? Is it just because you're building a habit young, or does it really rewire the brain and what you're doing? Yeah, it actually can rewire the brain and prime it for addiction later on in life. Just because of that brain development, the brain kind of develops back to front. Mm -hmm. And you think of the uh, think of child development and th the things that they learn at five and six is different from ten and thirteen, and later on into adolescence and young adulthood. Um, and the brain actually goes through some. Uh, it's called a priming process mm -hmm. or a pairing process, where. Um, alcohol can actually damage some of the synapses that are taking place. It can affect learning and memory and that logic, that the part of the brain that's responsible for logic and reasoning is right here in the front and it's the last part to develop fully. And, and think about scenarios where kids are introduced to alcohol. They don't have the ability uh, to, to decide and to understand that I should get myself out of this situation alcohol may not be good for me. So again, as a parent, we've got some amazing responsibilities to make sure that we can help our kids navigate that adolescence, helping their brain develop, 
and continue to develop before they introduce alcohol. A good reminder for all kinds of parenting, logic and reasoning are the last to develop. <laughs> Not exactly shocking when you think about it. Uh, last time we sat down and talked about it, it was school was starting, kids were getting new friends, new teachers, new maybe habits of who they were hanging out with, and it was a time that really where kids could start drinking because they were with different people. Why is it so important, Heidi, to talk about this as we head into the holidays? It's yeah. certainly a different change. Yes, yeah, so like you said at the onset, here we go with the holidays, yeah. believe it or not. And what we know is what the Department of Alcohol and Beverage Control tells us is during the holiday season, alcohol sales go up about 31%. So we know that, that people are purchasing more, it, and it's in the home more. So because of that, we know that it could be more accessible to kids in the home. And because of that, we want to make sure that alcohol is put out of reach um, and that we're setting those clear standards and being very definite that there's no underage drinking. My guess is if there's more alcohol in the home, it's probably tougher for parents to realize if a little bit of it is gone or if kids are drinking. Mm -hmm. But I also um, know some families who treat the holidays as a special occasion. And maybe instead of binge drinking, like you were talking about earlier, kids don't usually have a drink of wine. Is it okay for parents to be like, hey, it's a special occasion. It's Christmas Eve. It's New Year's Eve. You can have a drink. Is that okay? We know that sometimes these things are traditions, but we really encourage parents to pay attention to the science that, that's out there, that even when you introduce a little bit of alcohol, that there could be a potential danger there to their child's brain. So maybe reconsider some of that. All right, good to think about. This is probably not one of the most fun conversations to have with your kids. It's sometimes hard to have those tough to topics and conversations. I think my kids are at the point where they feel like they can ask anything. I good. think they are at least, but you never know because kids don't always talk to their parents. So if this is something that you have a tough time talking about, maybe you have alcoholism in your family, you've had troubles with it, you're nervous about talking about your kids, what do you do to make it so it can be a normal conversation and you don't freak your kids out by being crazy yourself? Because yeah. calm, cool, and collected is probably good. Yeah, right. I think really the first step is developing a relationship where you can have open communications with your kids, right? Um, a lot of times in Parents Empowered, we talk about bonding. And I'll really kind of um, grab onto that right now. Developing a relationship where you can have open conversations with your kids. Kids are resilient. Kids do a lot of things. They're busy. Um, you may not have a lot of time to talk to your kids. So when you do have that time for one-on-one, -on -one or, or maybe you have a couple of kids in your car, take that opportunity. One of the cool things that you can do is ask open-ended questions, right? So you can say to your kid, um, have you ever been at a party where there's been alcohol? What did you do? Or um, do you know any friends that drink alcohol? Uh, what would you do if you were given a chance to drink alcohol? And kind of let them respond and don't, um, don't interrupt them and don't say, no, that's not a good answer, but let them talk to you. They'll probably tell you what you're looking to find. I've asked my kids those questions before, and I think as a parent, you always think you're a student, you know who the kids are that you trust them to be with or maybe not trust them to be with. And I'm surprised by the answers. They Sometimes they weren't the kids I was expecting. Not to say they weren't good kids, but they obviously were drinking. It's not something I would have suspected and probably would have sent my kids over there without questions. So those questions are good ones to have. What about, um, this is something that I was thinking about earlier, but there's a lot of families um, with divorced parents, parents are remarried, and you've got different sets of rules at different houses. Is this one of those things where couples, even though you're split up, you've got to have this be on the same page and talk about it to make sure they've got the same rules and thoughts at both houses? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you co-parent with, with a parent that is outside of the home um, or whatever situation your family is in, 
make sure that you're on the same page. So they're not going to uh, grandma or grandpa's house and, and they're allowed to drink alcohol mm -hmm. or um, maybe they're not monitored as well as yeah. if they're at your house or at, at your spouse's house. Um, make sure that you're on the same page. Having the same rules really actually is going to help the kids' long-term mental development as well. If they know that there's rules that are consistent at their uh, at one house as opposed to another house, that's really going to help them be safer in the long run. I know as a teenager I didn't like rules, but as a parent I know that kids, <laughs> kids do like rules. It's nice to have boundaries and know your parents care about you. Is it also important that parents be an example? And if so, how do you be that example? Because some families do drink. How do you be a good example? Yeah. So I think we want to point out to parents here, because we do understand that there can be responsible drinking over 21. And we want parents to model that responsible drinking. Um, if you're hosting a party, for example, um, maybe make sure that there's alternative activities for the kids or for the youth that, that may be there. And if it's an all-in-one kind of situation, to model that responsible behavior paired with what Rob was saying, this importance of bonding and setting those clear rules. And when those things are in place, our kids know that we care about them and their development, and especially when we're communicating the reasons why we're setting those rules, right? We're not just trying to dictate or to control the situation, but to let them know the harms that we've discussed today with their growing brains and let them know that we care enough about their futures to set those rules for them. All right. We've been talking about talking to our kids a lot, but how do you know when it's too young or they're too old? Because I'm sure that there's a good window. You're nodding your head. Heidi. So when do you talk to your kids about this? I'm assuming a two-year-old's too young and they're not going to wrap their brain around it. So <laughs> when do you wait where it's not too late and they've already been introduced? Yeah, okay. So what we've learned from the American Academy of Pediatrics is it's a wise choice to have this decision around the age, have this conversation around the age of nine. We know that sixth graders, as early as sixth grade, um, drink right here in the state of Utah. So as a parent, maybe consider um, it's probably earlier than what we think that, that we should talk to our kids. But we also want to point out that it's always good to have this conversation. If your child is 12 or 13, please start now. Have this conversation around these important issues. And I think kids forget sometimes. I, I feel like you think you're like, well, I already had that talk with you when you were five. You yeah. should remember it. But kids forget. Uh, things change. You really want to keep talking to them. Mm -hmm. And it also shows that in studies, between 9 and 13, kids' yeah. attitudes change. Is it just peer mm -hmm. pressure that starts to come into play then? It kind of goes back into that brain development that we mm -hmm. talked about. Um, around age 9 and, and really through age 13, that kid starts having a positive mm -hmm. um reflection of alcohol they can see commercials they can see some of the positivity that that advertisers want to make sure that that uh, that they use in selling the product it um, looks cool it looks cool and yeah. kids start to understand that and so as a parent it's really important to, to continue on the, having those conversations as the child's brain develops and again you can kind of get in depth the older that they get i had a conversation with my seven and four-year-old the other night of healthy things to put in your body and not healthy things to put in your body. And they get that, they understand that. And so later on, we can have a conversation about alcohol is an unhealthy thing to put in your body. We don't want you to use alcohol until you are old enough uh, to be able to do that. And it doesn't have to just be an alcohol conversation then. If you're talking overall about your kids, about what makes them feel good and what makes their bodies run well and what doesn't, it can be a part of an ongoing conversation. Um, what if you miss the boat? Let's say you didn't start when you, your kids were nine. You've got teenagers. You're listening right now and thinking, 
Is it too late? Is it ever too late, uh, Heidi, to talk to your kids? Or can you start older and be like, sorry, we should have <laughs> spoken sooner, but now we are. Yeah, we don't consider any situation hopeless when yeah. it comes to, to these things that we're talking about today. So we would encourage all parents, no matter where they're at, to, to start these conversations now. And I think Rob really alluded to this fact that starting early and building these bonds um, is going to make those conversations easier and more natural to have the the older that they get um, but certainly it's never too late to start having these conversations and to maybe do some self-reflecting as a parent um, it, you know often we think um, our perceptions maybe are accurate and we want to challenge those you know maybe we think that our kids would come to us about anything but maybe we can get a little vulnerable and ask them say, yeah. you know um, if if there was alcohol at a party would you feel safe in texting me and calling me um, if you were presented with with this decision to use alcohol um, or facing a challenging decision at school do you feel like you can bring those things to me and if not how can we improve our relationship and just going there with your kids being that vulnerable to open up and find out what their perceptions mm -hmm. are about how close the relationship um, can can be a really great tool and I think it's so important too as you were mentioning you know to have that conversation with your kids they can feel like they trust you and have a good relationship because I think I would like my kids to know that if they went to a party they felt uncomfortable there was alcohol <laughs> that they wouldn't get in trouble and they wouldn't be grounded yeah. for calling me that you'd be there to go save them and pick them up if they needed it so yeah. that's important does this start with just generally good relationships with your kids Absolutely. I mean, that's a great place yeah. to start, right? And um, one of the things I've had to check myself on as a parent is, you know, when I'm having a good time doing the things that I like to do, maybe I feel like we're bonding. But yeah. um, maybe for the child, that's not the, the most fun <laughs> experience, right? So we need to, again, like check ourselves and hop into our children's world. Talk about the things that light them up, that interest them, the, the games they like to play, the shows they like to watch, mm -hmm. um, what what they like to follow in sports or music or, or what have you. And uh, kind of a rule of thumb we try to follow there is challenge yourself to spend at least 10 or 15 minutes in your child's world, really trying to get inside their head, their heart, their feelings, um, and, and bond with them through that lens. It doesn't seem like that much time, but 10 or 15 minutes yeah. sometimes can be a lot if you think about you're just running around, your kids are there, you're cooking dinner, but 10 or 15 minutes of concentrated talking to them and being in their world, that could take making a new habit, I would think. It could. It could be, um, you know, doing your child's hair or, you know, whatever it is as they're getting ready in the morning. Another really good thing is to make sure that you're eating together as a family. Mm -hmm. um, and it really doesn't matter what meal it is. If it is breakfast, mm -hmm. if that's the only time that you have to get together with your family to eat a meal, have it be breakfast. If it's dinner, that's amazing. But we know so many positive outcomes come from eating, di eating dinner together with your family. Um, the more often you eat a week, the less likely kids are to engage in underage drinking. It's exponential. So seven days a week, shoot for that. If it's five, that's amazing. If it's one, you can do better and try to get two or three. Take, the kids will take what they get. I think it's so important to do that. When we talk about parents and having something to say around their kids, I think as they get older and older into teenage years, they listen to their peers a lot more. Do parents still have sway or power by talking to their kids and saying, I don't want you to do this, or does that just annoy them and think, oh, my parents, they're so old? We do <laughs> research every year to measure the influence that different environments and different people have in a child's life. 
Kids continue to tell us that the number one reason they choose not to drink alcohol is because of parent disapproval. So if you as a parent are telling your kid that you disapprove of underage drinking, they're more likely to listen to you. It trumps peer pressure, even if their, their peers are actively trying to get them to drink alcohol or continually putting them in situations where there is alcohol. Your disapproval as a parent is the number one reason they choose not to drink. Awesome. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, the other thing we want to point out with that is that that needs to be very clear and strong disapproval. Sometimes as parents, I know I had this experience, you know, you have lightweight rules and maybe rules that you know for sure are definite ones that, that your kids don't want to break those yeah. rules, right? We want to make sure that this um, rule about no underage drinking is one of those that's very firm and very clear. And the reason for that is what this research that Rob's talking about also alludes to is that when parents have a mild disapproval, um, maybe they're saying that's not allowed, mm -hmm. but the kid knows that there's really not a consequence to that or something that they would enforce, that kids can be up to 50% more likely to still drink. But when those rules are super clear, when the disapproval is very strong, um, that reduces down to less than 5%. So there's a really substantial difference there between a soft no and a really firm, clear no. It is so true when you think about it. You know where, which, you also know the soft parent and the hard parent and where yeah. the rules are that you can cross. <laughs> Are most kids going to parties to drink? Are they drinking at home? Where are they doing their drinking? So you can be thinking about that. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think innately we think most kids get their alcohol at a party, and that may be true, It's especially if there's an environment where there's no adults present. Yeah. Um, but we actually know in Utah that of kids that drink, 46% of them, 43% uh, of them say that they get it at home with their parents' permission. And that's alarming. So not only do we need to worry about parties, but as a parent, we really need to watch ourselves and make sure that we're not letting our kids drink at home with our permission and making sure that when kids go to a home of somebody else, that the parents at that home share the same view on underage drinking. I love that. I know we have a reporter here at a station, and all the photographers talked about it when his kids were growing up. That every time their kid was going to a sleepover to a party, he'd call and be like, are there smoke detectors? Are the guns put away? Is there alcohol in the house? And asking those <laughs> questions. And it seems kind of funny, but those are important things sometimes, is knowing where your kids are going, knowing what the rules are, and what's going to be happening when they leave your house. Uh, so those clear boundaries are important, and I know that there's W's. What are the W's you're supposed to be yeah. going over with your kids? Yeah, so I love all these questions, and I'm yeah. sure that probably seemed obnoxious and irritating to the child, but I would imagine at the same time that child knows that he's loved and cared Absolutely. for, right? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> So we like to apply the five W's when it comes to this. So before your child goes out, to ask them what they'll be doing, um, when they'll be home, um, what, who will be there, right? And, and then most importantly, we want to follow that up with, will there be alcohol there? And as we're asking that question consistently, um, they will be reminded um, that becomes a way that we're monitoring this rule that we've set and making sure that they're staying self, uh, healthy and safe. All right, and is yeah. it something that you have to ask every time they go out or can you do it every once in a while? Um, I think it's something that you should do, not every time they go out, certainly I think, if you've got a relationship where they know that you could ask them any time that they go out that it's always on the table, it may just be asking them, who are you going with? Yeah. Will there be alcohol there? Um, but it, it's a good idea. It's a good idea just as a parent to know where they are, who they're with, what they're doing, when they'll be home. And, and of course, like Heidi said, will there be alcohol? And you said earlier, and I think it's really, really great, the concept of if there is alcohol there, call me. 
I'll come pick you up, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. And if you want to include, call me, I'll come and pick you and your friends up. We'll go grab some fries or a shake or something. Take them out of the situation as well. Let your kid know that you as a parent are concerned not only for them, but for their peers. And that may be a way to, to help ease the embarrassment of a child kind of needing to leave a situation where there is alcohol. And that's the worst if your friends get in the car with you and your dad's mad and they won't talk to you and you're driving home and it's uncomfortable. But if you make it a situation where you're like, like you said, let's go do something fun, let's get something to eat and then go home, then nobody's feeling stressed like right. they can't feel like they can't do it again. If people want to get more information because maybe listening to this did not give them everything they need, sometimes parents like to have something in their hand they yes. can go over. Where do they find more information? Yeah, there's awesome tips and resources on this at parentsempowered.org and we encourage parents to visit there. Perfect, and we'll keep this podcast online so you can listen to it. You can ask your kids to listen to it, share with your friends, your neighbors, because it's great information year-round. Robin Heidi, thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Okay. Parentsempowered.org for more information <laughs> if you want it.